current events, religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be Everybody, we're back again, and this week we are following up on our Satanism analysis with uh, uh, the Ten Commandments. We're going to take a look at the Christian uh, basis of morality, and uh, you've got me again, your Satanist doubting Thomas, and uh, joining <laughs> me today is Elias. Hey, hey. Hey, everybody. So, what do you got for us today, Elias? Well, you know, we did the, the, um, the tenets, the seven fundamental tenets of the Satanic Temple, and right. it was a great uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, and you didn't have to do a whole lot of work through that process no. to make what they, their goals are sound really um i mean they, you know just i mean they were super clear concise yeah. uh not ambiguous at all you really don't have to do any kind of mental gymnastics to uh uh you know to kind of agree with them um i mean to me it doesn't get a lot better than that mm -hmm. you know uh and the an interesting thing i find about those fundamental tenets is um, they're all wrote in a, such a way where, um, they can, they kind of progress with, right. uh, culture, whereas, um, the 10 commandments, at least the way we view them in America, um, it's kind of more like trying to, uh, fit our culture into that law framework bubble and, right. it, and it causes a lot of issues where well you know it's it's kind of bent on tradition and not um progressively developing uh our our philosophies and our our um theology and doctrine you know right so and I mean, I already, you already got me beat there. We, we're, we're <laughs> did, in big trouble because the bar mine are, yeah, mine are, um, based off of an ancient culture. Right. And, uh, um, I, I wouldn't even, uh, say I really think that the Ten Commandments are a, a fundamental of Christianity. I don't know exactly how they are. Um, considering it's an Old Testament, you know, it's it's out of um, Judaic scriptures, whereas, um, you know, the context uh, in in the New Testament kind of changes focus and and direction. But um, 
I will totally agree that in America, in the cultural world we live in, the Ten Commandments are kind of this uh, building block of 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 a conservative, you know, traditional society here. So, um, I, I almost mean, almost feel like it's kind of unfair because you know the the <laughs> the, the, the satanic temples uh, tenets were written in our culture in a time that you know every every one of them is relevant. And that's really not the case for the Ten Commandments. They've been around for so long that, I mean, it, it almost seems like it, they couldn't remain relevant. Although, I, you know, really thinking back, um, I don't see how the tenets of, uh, uh, of Satanism could really become irrelevant. Those seem to be pretty— Right. I, I don't know. Uh, Maybe well, we just it, have a better understanding of uh, our existence now and a better grasp on, you know, what morality really is. I don't know. I hope so. It's sometimes it's hard to think that, but I mean, uh, you know, it, when you really look at the numbers and you do look at the quality of life for a lot of people, and I'm not going to say for everyone, but for a lot of people, um, there is a, uh, you know, things have got better, right? Um, but as 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 uh, um, the world progresses, um, so does um the the foolish decisions we make, you know, to to uh, sway uh, toward tradition or toward progression and and so it's i don't know i got my work cut out for me so let's go into (laughs) it let's go ahead and start i'm coming down the mountain ladies and gentlemen and i've got a great big beard and two great big tablets and i'm gonna read them to you now um a little background for uh what's going on um the the as the story goes the um Moses went to Egypt and took the he, the Israelite slaves from Egypt um in a big uh uh supernatural uh god showdown between the gods of Egypt and and the god of Israel and uh so they managed to escape and go to the progression of, I guess, developing their own nation. Um, so they, uh, let me think here. They they go and they're they're planning to go to the promised land, the land of their fathers, and um, they get uh, a little uh, sidetracked and lost. For 40 years, walking around, and I don't know what a, there's not a whole lot of miles there. That's a, that's a popular, that's a right. popular thing to, uh, to see argued in, uh, atheist cultures. I mean, it's like, how did these people get lost in the desert for 40 years in a, in a, like a 
a three day trip or <laughs> right. some, you know, but anyway, so the, I've heard some very interesting, different interpretations of the why of the 10 commandments. Um, because if it, when you go through the 10 commandments, there are these, um, you've got these laws and then you've got the, um, blessings and the curses that happen whenever you stay within the boundaries of these laws. And so the way it's set up, um, as I've heard it, uh, debated is that it's literally set up almost in the way a um, covenant of an ancient um, culture when they would come in and conquer uh, a nation or they would conquer a nation and then there'd be nations that are enslaved underneath it. They would come in, institute new laws to, um, you know, kind of be if you give them a little bit more liberty uh maybe they're not going to cause any problems you know it'll be easier to take over this land so on and so forth so they a lot of people argue that the, that the the 10 commandments the the covenant and curses um that's in the this particular passage are designed literally that way where it is literally a contractual agreement um, where this is going to be the you know standardized God kingdom rule and and um, kind of uh, you know constitutional framework of your nation under this God and under this leader. Now it may not necessarily say that um, plainly, but this leader Moses. So sorry for all the nerd talk for like Bible nerd talk no, for like no, good. 10 minutes there. <laughs> but I do want people to understand this kind of thing is extremely common in the ancient world. This kind of thing predates the Bible. Um, you know, kings come in, they kill a bunch of people, and if if they need more people, um, you know, because bigger armies always get more right. um more resources more power more you know women more whatever and uh it, it's just sometimes it's beneficial to keep people alive um and that's the way a lot of the quote unquote pagan um you know uh high, you know, pagan kingdoms and hierarchies worked was a lot of them you say, oh yeah, you can you can follow your gods. You don't have to follow ours, but uh, you do have to follow our laws, and that's mm -hmm. what made pagan kingdoms um, probably a little bit more easy to take over. And then you see something change. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of when monotheism really. I guess it had to probably been monotheism that caused that major shift where people were making, you know, mass conversions and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But I digress. That's all side note stuff. Maybe I can do a, a major breakdown, <laughs> but God, everybody's heard the 10 commandments. Yeah. At least you, you would think well, a lot of people here anyway. in 
yeah, here in Trump Jesus land, I mean, you see them wait, wait. everywhere. There's, there's a difference between Trump and Jesus? There's definite difference there. Oh, okay. I, I, um, I, I didn't realize Jesus, that. Jesus was far better at trolling people <laughs> than Trump. Yeah, Trump takes things too personally. Yeah. Um, but so let's go. I, I will Exodus admit. Exodus 20. I did zero prep work uh, for this episode. I, 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 coming in totally man, cold. I, I'm just going based off of memory. and uh, you know, Dude, from, you've, you've probably got them memorized. I mean, you were at a, a Southern Baptist no, I've, church. I mean, I've got the Ten Commandments pulled up in front of me. I'm looking at them, but just based <laughs> on, like, my concept of them is just totally uh, right now based on, you know, long-term memory from years ago, I have not really even so much as thought of the Ten Commandments in prep for this episode, uh, other than just vaguely, hey, we're going to talk about that. So uh, this is going to be a cold take. Hey, that's that's fine. I mean, and hey, you know what's weird about that? Speaking of cold takes and, Mm -hmm. you know, you as a kid, were you present? How were the Ten Commandments presented to you, and um, how how you know what were the how did that work for you in your mind, being a young kid, being in the church? Like, what do you think your assumptions were on that? I mean, they were pretty much presented, you know, in Sunday school, you know, as as they're teaching, you know, kind of the some of the basics of the Bible and Jesus and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, the 10 commandments were just kind of among those, they, they weren't really taught as necessarily, um, you know, this is what you need to build your entire life around. You know, you need to, to, to know this by heart and memorize it. Although they did say those things. Um, I don't feel like it was a major focus. It was just one of the many focuses of, you know, they incorporated that into, uh, kind of the broader, Christian ideology of, you know, what is right and what is wrong. But uh, I wouldn't say there was, at least I don't remember, like a major focus on, you know, this being kind of a, like a core fundamental um, basis for everything else or anything like that. It was just kind of a, you know, a standard, you know, this is what the Ten Commandments are. You need to to know what they are and and follow them, uh, you know, to the extent that they're applicable. Um, you know, pre pre uh, New Testament, right? Which I mean, they're um, what do you? I don't see think? any of. I don't think any of them would have been necessarily negated too much, other than maybe the Sabbath, um, because we yeah. don't really follow that anymore. Um, but everything else, uh, I think, right. pretty much stays, you know, in play, and and I mean they. I do remember being taught, you know, kind of a more in-depth, um, you know, lessons on, on kind of each one. So, um, right. yeah, I would say probably the Sabbath might've been kind of the least focused on, and there was even some loose interpretations of what that even really might mean, um, right. today. Well, um, what, in your head, what were the consequences of like, breaking one of the Ten Commandments? Well, in our, our belief in the Southern Baptist uh, denomination, um, we believed that, you know, once you became 
saved, then you're always saved and no one can take that from you, including yourself. So it wasn't a matter of like losing your ability to go to heaven or anything like that. Um, it's really more just a matter of if you truly are a Christian and your heart has truly been changed, you'll want to follow Jesus and, you know, all of uh, God's teachings. And so this should be a natural desire that you're going to have is to follow this. Um, so it was kind of framed that way, you know, that, you know, kind of based on, you know, sort of the assumption of this is what you want, right? You know, right? This is, uh, this is if, if you're, if you're truly a Christian, then this is what you're, uh, what, you know, what you're supposed to be following. Uh, and right. I guess the consequence would really just be that, you know, um, either, you know, you're, you're upsetting God or, um, you know, in some way hurting God or the people around you, or probably more of a focus on hurting God than the people around you. But, um, or the other consequence of that might be that maybe you tr- aren't truly saved. Maybe you didn't actually give your, you know, your soul over right. to uh, Jesus. And so you're, maybe you're just faking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, like the 10 commandments have always been kind of viewed in the church as the big ones. Right. Like if you're, if you're part of the culture we grew up in, I mean, you're still, you're still going to go to heaven if you do one of these things. Right. But this is stuff. This is the serious stuff. This is the kind of stuff. If you don't do these things, you kind of can't be in the club. Right. Right. So, you know, for me. Well, and with the idea that everybody's probably broken some, at least some of them and probably will, but kind of the focus there is on seeking forgiveness and, you know, trying to repent and change your ways. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the mechanism I see is, is keeping you, you know, from just giving up is that, you know, there's kind of always this hope that you can do better and, and, uh, uh, you know, be in good standing so long as you seek repentance and forgiveness. Right. Um, the thing I find interesting and for me, I, I, I jive with a lot of that. Like that was the same stuff I went through to a degree, but for me, I can like remember when, I mean, I've heard, I mean, I've been in the church for so long and I've been, you know, this stuff is really ingrained into me and I've spent Mm -hmm. a lot of study and a lot of it. So, um, the 10 commandments goes beyond just being like the rules. It's like, this is the stuff that we do or don't do Mm -hmm. to make things work correctly and if we do these things this is like the simplified way uh, i would think fundamental uh a baptist or fundamental christian might explain further why the ten commandments and it would be that this is what keeps society going right is if we if we follow these things uh we will be assured that we will have prosperity and uh wealth and peace which, and i mean yeah. which which in in that time in those cultures you know maybe it was a practical way to keep um you know a society going uh among you know opposition and competition 
uh, you know, just kind of a, a way to maintain order within your group and to kind of use that to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cause others to conform. Um, in the context of our culture and the way that the United States was founded, um, to me, they don't really seem, not only do they not seem relevant, um, they don't seem compatible uh, with our culture, uh, or at least the way that it was intended, you know, the way that our, our government was constructed and kind of the, uh, the ideology of, of having, mm. you know, a, a melting pot where you have freedom from, uh, you know, any kind of a religious oppression and, you know, the freedom to worship as you see fit kind of a thing. Um, these don't really comply with that very well, in my opinion. Hmm. Or at least some of them don't. I I would agree. Maybe on an individual um, level, they're they're still fine, but you know, not maybe as a societal structure. Yes, and it's strange to me because for many people, it is the very kind of like. You know, they they totally don't see it that way at all. Like they see it completely the opposite way there. Um, no, our culture and our heritage is based on God, and our country was founded on fundamentals of God. Dear people, let me tell you, it's not the same God. <laughs> the 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 founding fathers and a lot of the philosophy that was Part of what many of these people believed was not the same thing that is being preached in Southern Baptist churches. And yeah. uh, when you start to really read the ancient myths and legends that surround um, Freemason philosophy and stuff like that, it becomes really clear it's not the same God. It's a very different view of God. Um, the, they, it has been molded into, um, kind of the fundamentals of Christianity, I think, to survive. Like in just what little I'm familiar with kind of the founding father's perception of God, it was, it was a lot more vague and more general, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of just an assumption, uh, because that's what people had was that assumption of a God where I think it's more common now, um, for people to not necessarily make that assumption, um, you know, just by default. Uh, and when you do make the assumption, it's probably more likely to be more specific, um, and maybe not as broad. I mean, there still are a lot of people that kind of have some vague sense of, yeah, I believe in something, but I, I don't subscribe to any particular religion. That's still, mm-hmm. you know, a thing, but I think that was more common then, and maybe atheism wasn't quite as common as it as it is now, at least in in our society. Um, so, and that's kind of what I I take, you know, their references to God being is is a, a little bit more ambiguous than uh, people are, you know, ascribing to it today. Well, yeah, and like for instance. Um... And I, I see similarities. I'm sure people will think I'm batshit crazy over this, but um, from what I understand of what I've seen out of kind of like Freemason philosophy and and uh, even the 12-step program, 
like they have these fundamentals of a higher power, right. a higher authority is necessary. And that's kind of what the word God has become. Right. Higher you know, power. it's a higher power, higher authority. Um, See, I don't, that, I already don't that we can look that, to. So. And it's essentially that kind of fundamental can be a one size fits all thing to some extent because right. there were there just the other options were really not a part of it. Right. Like the, they were just, they did not reach um, that part of the world, the culture. There had not been enough. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Amalgamation of <laughs> cultures. Uh, you know, the, the cultures had not mixed enough uh, in that pot and they have not got to know each other. They've not gotten to see the way they think and the way they live. So, you know, you, we don't have major polytheistic groups in America because of that, you know, but, yeah. and I would beg to differ because that's the thing, like, uh, this, the idea, the ideal of liberty has been, man, that's a crazy thing to think of what it's done all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's just been tokenized or whether it's been something truly sought after. Right. Uh, and, and it's like, I don't know that those are the kinds of things where when I start to think of that kind of ideal, um, this idea, one idea, whether it's being used negatively or positively, it seems like it's slowly working itself out. Right. Those are the kinds of thoughts that lead me to a place of there actually being something much higher. Even if it's just an ideal, that ideal has somehow grown wings and developed and changed the way human beings have lived and and so i need to think about that ideal because there's something about that ideal in our evolution it's in our dna the i some of these ideals of villains and heroes and um finding ways to make peace and death and all these different archetypes and and um story arcs that we've been seeing over and over there's a reason for that. And it's not just because people want to tell the same stories. It's those things are su like subliminal, subliminally in our brains. They're in our subconsciouses. So shit, man, we've not even touched the 10 <laughs> commandments yet. No. I'm just we've setting about up. Yeah. And uh, the big thing is, is it, it's always been to me, this fundamental idea of what law and law order how it functions in America, you know, how it functions in our country and, and is supposed to bring the world into a way of peace. And um, if that's the case, you'd think it would have been done by now, but I, I don't know. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start and sure. we yeah. will start, we'll go into um, the first one and yeah, let's do it. Shit. <laughs> all uh -oh. you christian folks you better pray for me right now because i'm gonna have some problems uh and uh this is uh exodus chapter 20 um verse one in the new international version 
Blessed be the Lord. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So right out the gate, uh-huh. Thomas is definitely going to have a problem with this one. It's already a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I, I'm not even on board with, you know, whether or not a god even exists. Much less, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether to follow that particular one or, you know, put no other gods before it. Okay, so for I you don't... to accept this, <laughs> <laughs> for me, you to accept let, this, let, let there has to be on, some other things that has to happen first. Maybe I put on my uh, uh, my theistic hat, right? So, mm-hmm. okay, there's a god. I'll, I'll make that assumption. <sighs> why? Why? I'm I'm just trying to think of this. Why? Why is it that you must command not to put other gods? Before you, what? what yeah. Makes... Okay. Why can that be the only God? Right. Why? Why? Why can't we have if, any other gods? I mean, the statement itself almost indicates that other gods exist because you could potentially put them before Him. So, what? What mm-hmm. makes that God more valid than the others? Right, and there are many people that would argue that that there are um, there were demigods or 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 uh, Nephilim. These are like godlike beings that had power, and they, uh, you know, there that. What is a fundamentalist Christian going to tell you about all the other? Um, well, that they're fake. Gods and they're well, not not that they're fake. Many will say they are not fake. They are demonic. Oh, that's true. So, but any who, other gods besides the monotheistic god? Who's to say that that god isn't demonic? How do I know the difference? Exactly. So we've so already I, come out I, the gate. <laughs> I need I need some sort of standard by which I can measure, you know, various different gods and and which one meets up to, you know, the proper standard of right. good versus evil. So I need I need some measuring stick for that. So, so what do we so use? So here's for that? here's how I here's how I help you determine what that measuring stick is. Okay. So my original thought when we read this was okay, first off there's a couple things that have to happen for you to even have a framework for this statement, right? Uh-huh. You have to be, um, the, you have to have some sort of culturally or evidential proof of gods, right? And then Which you're going to I'm already need... conceding that, so I'm I'm assuming that right. gods do exist, right? And then you're going to need to have some sort of evidential proof that this god is the God that needs to be uh, the only God worshipped. Or I would maybe phrase it the one that's worthy of being worshipped, which, right. for me, the very concept of worship in and of itself would have to be a ridiculously high threshold for you to deserve that sort of treatment. Because um, I don't even necessarily know if I agree with the concept of worship itself. So... 
I mean, you've got to meet a pretty high bar there to convince me that that's, um, you know, that, that you, you're deserving of that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> um, so now keep this in mind. You're, the second thing that you have to do is this, and this is the big, this is the big deal. You have to believe that what you're reading is uh, true in one form or another. Like this is this is a book that has no. some sort of legitimate claims to why this God, what do this you mean particular by true? God. Um, do you mean you have but, to have some? You have some have to have some reason to believe the account you're hearing is true. I I mean I. I can even grant that this statement came directly from the lips of this particular God, right? Um, even given that, I, um, that doesn't necessarily make everything that that God says true. It just means that right. the statement truly came from him. But <laughs> I still need some standard to measure the accuracy of the claims. Right. Well, okay. So the only measurement you can make, and this and this is the this is the argument you would have to do is you got to look at this within the context of where it's happening, right? So uh, this is happening in part of a story, and this is when you when I start explaining this stuff, it's where a lot of things are going to really start to unravel for a very literalist rigid view of the bible okay so this is this is the when you start to grasp this stuff so this is happening this these texts are given these commandments are given in a passage where there is something that's happened previously that makes god makes assumptions that you've read the earlier part of the story Okay. When he says when he says stuff, right? He's making he's within, thinking. Within well, you've already context. read. Yeah, you've read right. what's there previously. Okay. Uh, see, and that's that may be kind of a problem because having previously read the broader context, I also don't agree with the ethics of the particular God that's giving these commandments. So. I'm already going to ha- have a bit of a disadvantage in trying to accept these commandments just from that perspective. Should I should I step right. outside of that understanding? Um, so the we- only the only argument I can make is the only place that I can position I can put in to put you into where you might hypothetically all of this will totally make sense is if you are a ancient Israelite Egyptian slave. So maybe if I, I <laughs> maybe if I put it this way, um, what what is the point of the Ten Commandments? Is it an instruction for uh, how to be a moral person, or is it instruction um, for how to exist within a specific culture? Are and, you ready to get your conflict? mind blown? Okay, here's the thing. Uh, Damn it! I should have done prep. <laughs> um, you're not. You're not ready for my uh, cold take. No, 
Well, because I want to give you actual passages that you could look at that that make this that give this a lot more context. Okay, um, the people at the time that are being presented these commandments, they literally told Moses to go get laws for them. Okay the the whole the whole book of Exodus up to this point is just a bunch of crazy nonsense where these people are really annoyed and mad at each other in in the desert because this guy took them out of Egypt. So it's really more a framework for how to create structure within their group, right? Right. This, like the Ten Commandments, in my mind, the Ten Commandments should not be pulled out of this story. Right. And this is something that only makes sense in a higher view where you're looking at the entirety of the story. And then you start to make uh, uh, moral and uh, intellectual decisions so with maybe, this text. Maybe I could look at it kind of, you know, from a, a, a bird's eye view uh, within the context of, you know, th- this group of people maybe didn't have. Um, the ability to m- have a better understanding, and so they needed mm-hmm. kind of a, a a blind following of a leader. That that's what they're going for. So they're basically looking for more of a dictatorship uh, to guide them rather than. Um, well, they I, they would have argued that you know they had it uh, fairly well in Egypt. Um, I didn't say that I mean, as a bad it, thing, just as somebody yeah. to dictate the, you know, yes. what, what would happen. Kingdom height, you got to think about how deep um, the mind of like nation, like a nation state mind is, you know, like kingdoms are very, were very differently structured um intellectually and and economically in such a way that people are going to um they're, they're going to be more open to blindly following their leader because their leader is the spokesperson for the quote unquote higher power that controls the whole planet you know the these ideas of the gods they've seen you know they've had visions and and quests and they've seen their ancestors uh you know do this that and the other and all kinds of magic and la da 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 so given that this is the safe route just follow this guy right he's he's the best right blind leadership so i mean if if this makes more sense within the context of the story that it was written within um I guess my question is, should this be applied outside of the context of that story? Like, should people still be following these commandments? There's got to be a lot of discord and nuance around all of that, which the, the Judaic world has done a fairly good job of representing that. Like if you go and you read, um, the other, you know, uh, Hebrew texts, Talmud, and, and stuff like that, 
it's going to, they're going to have, they're gonna, they've already discussed this at length and put out, you know, their thoughts on it. Um, the, the major teachers of the time. So you have the, their higher intellectual authorities, their, arist, their aristocracy kind of, um, interpreting the Bible for them. Right. So, you know, and that's, that's what a lot of religion was. Religion was a really simple way to, um, really develop the fundamental ideas you want to do to create a country. If you're ruling a a nation, I want to come up with ways where people are going to tell the stories. How many uh, in ancient culture, the king was always representative to God. And from many cultures, the originally, if you look at ancient Mesopotamian texts, you're going to find that um, their, the myths and the legends within their cultures were the, the gods were the first kings. So those the the next king it was passed down and it and it's on a succession it's a it's a royal hierarchy that's going to be developed for you know eternally it's way the way people can live eternally even if they don't believe in eternal life necessarily so that's that's you know there's a lot of motivation behind all this stuff and i would argue um according to this story moses grew up um in a royal family he he was a, a prince, uh, and you know, to to the pharaoh of Egypt at the time. So, my first argument, I'm here. I'm going to argue against myself here. My first argument, just from a, a like a you know, looking at Moses, um, and, and really thinking about who this person would be and what he would do or what his character would do within the story. The things that he says and does, to me, the only references he has, according to the story, are Egyptian culture and uh, living in the wilderness for 40 years, um, raising sheep, which I don't even think that the man that he met, I don't think he was even... um, the man that was uh, Moses's father-in-law that gave him, he, he made him a shepherd and stuff. Um, I don't even think that guy was a Jew, if I'm not mistaken. I, th- I don't even know if it mentions where he comes from. He's just some desert people guy. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's really strange how Moses's um, ideas about how to rule or lead a, a, a large community, a large nation, it's really interesting. And I, I have a really hard time believing that it, he wasn't using the stuff that he grew up with. And that's where a lot of people are going to, their jaws are going to drop and go, what? Because, <laughs> you know, I just said something that, that would be considered heretical to many people is um, maybe Moses was making stuff up. 
I mean, yeah. I would. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you're not going to get any disagreement from me on that. I think they right. Uh, a lot of people made a lot of stuff up. Um, I think what's kind of just going through my head is, you know, when we did the last two weeks on uh, the tenants uh, within uh, the Satanic Temple, those all seemed very applicable to anybody, whether you're Satanist or not. Um, I mean, those basically were structured as such that they could apply to everybody and they can make for a better society in general for everybody. Um, do these, you know, from my perspective as somebody outside of the Christian religion, um, in a society, you know, a modern society that, that has the freedom, you know, where I can choose, uh, you know, my, my religion or lack thereof, do these even apply to me? Uh, shoot, man, probably not. I mean, uh, uh, that's the thing. I don't, I, I think that. I mean, if, if Christian, um, if, if the fundamentals of Christianity are something that's supposed to make, you know, people better and it's supposed to make societies better, should those not apply to everybody? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, 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 but here's the thing. That's what's great. This is what's great about it. And this has been my whole freaking point. Um, this is very much from the perspective of just take these words literally and they, you know, you don't have to think about anything else. You just read this one time post it on a poster where I can see it every day or put, put it, it on a t-shirt or in a courtroom and I'm good. Right. See, that's that's what, the that, thing that gets problematic because you know, there, there's got these no set thinking. Of rules. Well, and there's these set of rules that maybe don't apply to everybody, but then we're applying them to everybody. Uh, when you're putting it in a courtroom, does that not imply that yeah. well, this applies to you as a citizen of this country? You are to follow basically this religion right i i bet the reason that it's such a major um you know foundational kind of token of our culture is um i don't know it was probably just something easy that um that they could kind of grab and throw out there to gain political power Right. In America, at, at the the beginning of the country, and as um, such, with politics, ideas that continue or are successful are ideas that are popular, uh, not yeah. necessarily ones that are effective or correct. Right. You got to keep in mind some of the founding fathers didn't want the Constitution uh, to say anything about God. Right. You know, like they 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 these these guys debated whether God should be uh, a major fundamental of the country. Right. And I think they only intended it to be because they want you to answer to something higher than yourself. Right. Because and if if that's an ideal that everyone can grab, then right. maybe everyone will lean into goodness. Well, and I, I think that that was kind of uh, some of the thinking behind the idea of like inalienable rights, um, where you know mm. these rights are granted to you not by you know, your government, but granted to you by your creator, the, you know, they're just fundamental rights that you intrinsically have 
And, you know, our government's responsibility isn't to grant those rights, but it's to respect them. Um, so I kind of get that argument. Um, I don't necessarily see it as effective um, or, I mean, it, it can be problematic because you can kind of maybe change the, uh, you, you can kind of warp the meaning <laughs> behind you know who who that creator is and what his intentions are um just by you know the way that you uh present that that deity so that already has a potential flaw there um i think that we could structure rights you know more around um i guess a process of determining you know what is beneficial what versus what it's harmful more of a I consequentialist would, yeah I think if that, or even you could just nuance it, and, and, you know, you can say these statements in a more um, nuanced way, and, and right. people would actually probably go a little bit above that. That's mm -hmm. kind of the whole, you know, this um, retrib re um, retributive kind of justice ideal of everything's prohibitory. Everything is just... Right. Uh, don't do this, do this, or there's hell to pay, you know, like there's no real thinking about anything <laughs> yeah. like, um, and I think that's kind of the point. Uh, and I would argue that, you know, my major arguments for the Bible are based off of things like, if you look at this within the whole of a story, versus um, this is exactly the way the whole entire world works and operates. And if it doesn't operate this way, we've got to destroy everything that keeps it from that. That's terrible. That's crazy stuff. <laughs> um, but a lot of this has to do with like the birth of monotheism and, mm. and like what intellectually that means. The, you know, the Hebrew people, the Israelites weren't originally... People will get that will find this controversial, but it's highly likely that the um, that Jews weren't originally monotheist. They did mm -hmm. believe in uh, multiple gods, but um, and then eventually later on through um, other cultures, some people argue it was uh, they were introduced to monotheism through when you know uh, things changing in Babylon because of uh, the Persian Empire and the Persian religions and that, uh, that developed monotheism there. That's, if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of the earliest, kind of the earliest monotheist views. I right. could be mistaken. I, like, like, by no means am I a scholar. I, I study this crap way too much, but... Uh, I mean, it requires a the, lot of work <laughs> to kind of understand these why, basic instructions. How, how should the exactly basic instructions before leaving earth the bible right. no that's terrible i hate that um i mean i i think if if i were in charge you know if i were god i i would try to leave some really easy to understand basic principles that um just make things work better and guide people to live you know better happier lives um, mm -hmm. so far this one is, is focused on himself. 
<laughs> yes. Um, I mean, he's, he's really right. focused on me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the dictator here. You need to, you know, have nobody else before me. I'm in charge. Right. Um, well, the other argument would be is that, um, multiple gods creates f- factions. Okay. So this, the, like when we talk about it from an idea of if you've got tribe A worshiping God A and tribe B worshiping God B, um, you know, if you can convince everybody to worship God A or worship th- or tell them that God B is lesser, you know, your values, your ideals, your culture will develop more. This has a lot more to do, in my mind, a lot of the ideas in these texts have a lot more to do with social survival, national socialism, and uh, trying to figure out ways to control people. See, um, what if you just At least the way that it's been structured in our country. I've got a whole different paradigm on that uh, from what I think the true intentions that so, were originally involved um, with would the, you, the writing of the Bible. Would you say that God is trying to influence people to just simply follow him instead of basically follow God's leadership? Uh, you know, God's ways are not your ways. Follow him and lean not on your own under uh, own understanding. Um, is that kind of the, the thought process behind these Ten Commandments? At least the first one. Uh, uh, I would argue that's what the American people would tell you. But you here's my thing. Accurate? I think that's terribly inaccurate. I think that you should read the story or have someone tell you the story, and none of it's applicable until you talk about it and you grow up with the story. And, and as you grow... These, hey, these might be really good uh, uh, for a small child. Well, but you, these you get what I'm saying? These <laughs> exactly. Weren't, these weren't small children, though. He actually gave these exactly. commandments to, you know, grown adults. Um, to me, it almost seems like what pops into my head is the difference between teaching somebody what to think versus teaching somebody how to think. Mm-hmm. Um, would it not be more effective instead of, you know, trying to compete with other gods to get everybody to follow you instead of them, would it not be mm-hmm. more effective to teach those people how to reason for themselves and not, you know, blindly follow, uh, you know, a, a dictator? Right. I think the easiest argument here to make would be, uh, God's kind of tried that in the past and, and that every time that he makes the entire Bible, especially the Old Testament, um, for the most part, is uh, people having a demand, and then God or God doing something, then people having a demand, and then God making um, some sort of exception, and then it's still getting messed up again. Like that's kind of like the whole paradigm that continues to happen. God makes the people, the people eat the bad fruit, uh, they fall, then um Cain kills his brother Abel because he's jealous of him, because 
he, uh, you know, God didn't like his sacrifice. Uh, it, there's all these little things that I mean, this this little thing keeps coming over and over. This also happens with uh, David and Saul. The people come and they're like, hey, we want a king. We're, we want to be like all the other nations. Um, and then they, in the process, uh, kind of, you know, get what they, uh, uh, you ever heard that old saying, you get, you get the, the leader you ask for, or, or you get the leader. Uh, no, that's not how it goes. Um, how does that go? <laughs> you get the leader, you get the leader you deserve. And I de- that's not applicable and and applicable in in all contexts, but right. That's kind of what happens in the Bible a lot. And um, I mean, but you would think, like you know, we we had um, you know we had the Enlightenment happen. Um, philosophers were able to influence you know society in how to reason better and how to um be more moral um i mean if you look at even just the state of american society today versus mm-hmm. you know even just a hundred years ago um uh, you know where we were enslaving an entire race of people in our country where now that's that's literally against the law um we have progressed we have the capacity to progress you would think that the wisest most powerful being in the universe would be more capable of influencing that kind of change in humanity than, you know, some lowly philosophers would over time. Mm. Right. I mean, is that unreasonable? I don't think it's unreasonable, but I think there's, there could be reasons why, why there might be issues with that. Um, if God I mean, is, yeah, if, I'm sure if, you have you ever heard the t- that whole thing? If God is a loving God, he has to allow humans to make decisions. Like humans can't just be automatons. But You're technically we're con- Yeah. So that and that's a big that's a big part of that like people the use argument. the argument of free will to say that if God is um uh, making these decisions uh, or, or God, God's basically doing his best with us. But I'm then there even, are all kinds of other arguments not, that come into play. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's the thing. If he is all powerful, uh, then yeah, he's not. If he is omniscient, you know, maybe he's I mean, not. Think you know? about it. If, if the creator of the universe presented himself to you in reality, where you could see him and actually see his power, um, that doesn't take away your free will. It just changes the context by which you're making decisions. So you you have a different understanding of reality where there's less ambiguity as to whether this thing even exists in the first place and what its intentions are. If he made it clear, you know, I exist, these are my intentions, and here's the reasoning behind it, would that not make you more capable of making better decisions? I Yeah. I totally agree with you. You keep asking me questions like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I mean, well, like instead, he just has some guy write down on a tablet, you know, you shall have no other gods before me, as if he's actually threatened by other gods. Uh, yes. And that's that's the way the story is handed to us. Yeah. I I have my own issues with that. 
And, uh, you know, I think, um, there's a lot of stuff involved, you know, the, I think the Bible is this, this very, um, strange book where it's been, you know, changed and changed and changed and changed and changed. And I think that the only thing we can do, and this is what's going to sound crazy and, and evil to a lot of people, is um, everyone needs to understand as, as we go through these upcoming episodes, um, as a Christian, if you can call me that, which most people wouldn't. Um, You're still a Christian to me. Yeah, like <laughs> the the funny thing is, is I, what people need to know is um, the everything that you argue against. Like I will have no nothing to rebuttal because right. the it, those things only work in the context where you believe the Bible literally. Right. Like if if the the literal context is the only context, um, I would argue you can't read the Bible that way. You have to read it allegorically. There can be reasons. Uh, I think we have to use reason and logic, and and uh, we have to use science, and we have to use um, just progressive thought in general philosophy we have to use these things as we approach the bible i don't I, think there's any other way to approach the bible do you think in the future you can provide me with um places in the bible where we're instructed to do that um good lord there're probably not not a lot and that's why i would argue that the bible is uh parts uh tool of the um you know kingdoms of the earth to control and enslave and the other part of the bible is um this terribly beautiful thing that has been taken and uh written and rewritten and and um it's strange it's strange how um a book of poetry and stories and um psychedelic visions and all these other things can come together and be used as a tool to control people. I, I don't know if I would, I would argue that um, any book should have the power to control what people think um, or, right. or may, may, and I would say even intuitively feel uh, uh, some people may intuitively feel like there are other gods. Or that that the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible has been presented to me. I don't think is the God above all gods. Uh, like the evangelical God, I I don't follow that God. I follow. Uh, I think I follow the God, the the real God that exists, and um, that God, whatever it is, um has been moving this whole big thing forward. And uh, there are a million stories that are in and taken out of and uh, 
recontextualized and uncontextualized. And we need to read all of them and we need to have conversations about them because uh, yeah. we just need to be better to people. So, damn, man, we, uh, we got it's an hour and we've only done one. One. Yeah. It, um, that was anything but simple. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, that's the problem with the Ten Commandments is there is like, that's the thing from in my it's, head. It's not the even, way you get, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's not even that complex of a commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. It's just a really controversial and potentially very problematic one. Um, it's not straightforward. It's not concise. It's not clear. It doesn't give you like a moral instruction. It just gives you, it, it gives you a dictate. Um, and there's not even really any basis behind it as to whether i mean for for anybody who's not already within the christian framework um that's not even applicable so i mean it's 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 got a very narrow usage um and it seems very insecure or at least it comes off from you know from my perspective it comes off as insecure and um uh possessive and controlling yeah, I mean, if if you read it, if you read it, anything outside of that story, right? Like it really, I I don't think it can be. Um, and there's even I have a lot of arguments with that. I mean, like uh, the this the behavior of this God. If we tr- even if you try to um contextualize and and rationalize and uncontextualize things the the god of the old testament still based on the text we have still has a hard time measuring up to what we might think is a uh all loving all powerful god right and that's but, there's problems with that right and i mean if you, if you like i said you got to do backflips to get through them Right. If you can't live up to that basic standard of if you claim to be all loving and your actions contradict that, then what basis do you have to command that I worship you? Um, especially above all others. Um, you know why I think it's there? I think, I think it's there solely because of this, the way uh, religion and kind of like nationalism, church and state, that, that kind of. Um, what, what is it? Monarchy, the mm-hmm. uh, 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 a holy system controlling an, a nation has been kind of that's what they've all done. And I mean, it's it, a lot of it has to do with, I think, the way um, placebo works in the human mind, the way the human mind's controlled. When you start, look, I think when you look at psychology and then you think, OK, if these guys are all just winging it. And they're just power grabbing, and they're having uh, psychedelic visions um, and altered states of consciousness. If all these guys, if all these people are just winging it, um, and they're just being people, uh, a lot of this is going to make sense <laughs> if you look at it psychologically. Yeah. With the, beh- the just you have some really strange, abnormal behavior out of some people. Um, and 
the only person touching the pen is a person. Now, I think God may have been communicating with some people, but I think it's been heavily misunderstood and misinterpreted. Um, I don't believe in inerrancy. I think, I think, and you could take it further. It's likely that some of the people got a lot of stuff wrong and that's okay. In my mind, that's okay. I, um, there's something, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, there's something much bigger to the whole story for me than just, uh, if it's true or not, it's the ideals behind um, sacrificing uh, and and giving to others, uh, and and you know these kind of transcendental ideals in Christianity of grace and mercy and uh, man, it's so strange how the Ten Commandments do a really piss poor job of being the fundamentals to to convey things like grace and mercy or yeah compassion um, do you think we should try to tie one more in uh, since it seems yeah. to be fairly similar um i don't see a lot of contention with it honestly either i i, I don't want to do 10 episodes on the subject so i think <laughs> if we just tied in two um cuz some of these others definitely uh, I see contentions with some are more obvious than others. Some might actually be kind of surprising contentions that I would have, but uh, two right. doesn't seem to be that controversial to me, and it's kind of no. Similar. We'll roll through it, try to get it knocked out in the next ten, fifteen minutes. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I, here, I think two is is fairly uh, fairly non controversial. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's a lot of interesting things to this one, and I I have some more kind of um metaphorical or spiritual context for this this particular commandment you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for i the lord your god am a jealous god punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, (laughs) but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Yeah, this guy, this guy does not sound different from all the other gods in the, the nation at that time. And those nations, you know, like you look at Egypt, these are gods that are fighting and doing battle with each other. You look at the, you know, you look at this god. You look at this god. Um, he does openly admit to yeah. being jealous. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, do you remember? Okay. So, and here's the other thing about the the story of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments story happens twice. Yeah. So he goes up, and right, he gets right, right. the commandments. And then he, and so you got to think um, now. If I'm not mistaken, he re, the you're hearing the commandments prior to them being given to the people. I can't remember. Let me go because they were me, revised. Yeah, 
Well, he he comes down and he sees them worshiping the golden calf. And he's mad. And he's mad and he throws them and smashes them. Right. And he has to go back up and get new ones. <laughs> but, like, I mean, if it was right the first time, if the person who wrote them was perfect, why did he change them? Especially well, knowing what would happen in the future. So that no, that's a fair. See, I'm saying maybe they were changed, <laughs> but no. Here's okay. the thing: I, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I'm, I'm, I'm a little rusty on my uh, my OT stuff right now. But um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know. They go through so much legality stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, after I that, think- pa- the Ten Commandments. Where I'm not having a lot of issue with this one is the fact that I have already kind of uneasy feelings about the concept of worship in the first place. So mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of issue with him saying not to worship other things. I just take that a step further <laughs> and uh, uh, I also yeah. wouldn't worship the person giving the commandment either. I, I don't, I think the idea, the concept of worship is already problematic because you're putting that, you're placing somebody or something above criticism and, you know, that, that is a self-correcting mechanism that keeps you kind of in line. Um, if you're not criticizing everything, then you're subject to, if you're placing anything outside of the realm of, of critical thinking, then that then becomes your weakest area where you, and, mm. and this happens time and again, where I talk to people of various different faiths and they hold other religions to a very high standard of skepticism, except for their own. <laughs> yeah. And so everybody has this same blind spot of, well, but mine's just right. But, and I, 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 I worship my God and I, I accept, you know, um, what I believe is true, but then here's all the problems with everybody else's beliefs. But then if you put all these people in a room, they're using the same exact reasoning to come to contradictory conclusions. Mm -hmm. So that's where I don't see anything as being above criticism or anything being worthy of, of absolute worship. Um, I think that certainly, um, certain, you know, certain people, or if gods existed, um, if they do in fact exist, uh, maybe some of them are worthy of a tremendous amount of respect, um, you know, just based on their actions. But there has to be some measuring uh, standard that we use, you know, to evaluate which ones are worthy of that and which ones are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise, you're blindly potentially following something that could control you into, you know, a great evil. Um, and I mean, you look at how societies do this, you think, how, how in the world could people have formed the Nazi party? But a lot of those people were being blindly, you know, they were blindly following something. Many oh, yeah. of those people were Christians. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, they, they truly oh. thought that you yeah. know, what they were doing was right, and they weren't being truly critical. Um, so I, Christianity it, was used. Um, right. Clearly, and it was used in a way um, that was very uh, patriotic. It was used right. in a very nationalist, socialist way. You can go right. back. I mean, well, that's it, if it you look at socialism. footage, it's there. You know, and they, you know, they threw these big parades and they did 
uh, they use the Bible, they use the story of Jesus to um, push for anti-Semitism there. Right. You know, and and, well, and how I'm, does that work? You know, if you don't, if I, I don't even know how to grasp that. You know, yeah. we're talking about it like you're using the guy who claims to be the Messiah of the Jewish people to exterminate the Jewish people. Right. It's very, it's very terrifying and strange. And it, and a lot of it has to do when you wrap those kinds of things, those kinds of ideals, spiritual practices. Okay. You take spiritual stories and you take spiritual practices uh, and, and you, then you mush them into um, the nation state kind of patriotic service uh, that you've got the perfect cocktail of mind, like intense mind control. Right. And you're going to, you can get people to do some really crazy stuff when you start I, I mixing the, church and state. The antidote to, you know, uh, oppression and, um, you know, a, a blind following of a dictator, the antidote to that is reason. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if everybody employs critical thinking for themselves and they hold everything, including their own beliefs, up to a high standard, um, that's how you combat, you know, this, this blind following, uh, you know, this, this very nationalistic... Um, mentality of just you know blindly following something for the sake of following it um and i think that's common uh we have a lot of people in in all societies that will just kind of by default accept a lot of things uh without really truly thinking about it and i think that that's something that can be taught i certainly i didn't used to have it and you know it took a lot of work for me to do more of that in my own life. Um, I think that does require a little bit of discipline, but I think it's also something that can be culturally ingrained um, because I was lucky enough to kind of find myself in uh, a group of uh, very critical thinkers, and that influenced me to be more critical myself. Um, and I think that's kind of, that sort of thinking is what led to um, more modern lines of reasoning and thought like like the enlightenment um just a very different mindset than you know kind of the old authoritarian kingdom uh you just blindly follow authorities um because they're your authority uh mindset i think that's a bit antiquated um and you know what uh, actually kind of looking through this um this second commandment here too i'm also kind of picking up on things that i guess i glossed over initially like the uh uh you know the god saying for i'm the lord your god I, I am a jealous god punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who mm. hate me Th that's, that that one line you could probably do a whole we yeah, could do that's a, a whole a, episode. A two hour talk on yeah, that's uh, it's that's, it, there's a lot of weird stuff attached to that, and uh, that's not even talking about like a natural consequence. Like, if you do the you know, if you like, for instance, if you destroy the environment, your children are going to have to deal with the consequence. This is not that, this is if you hate me, 
I'm going to punish your children's children's children who mm. didn't do anything yet. They don't even exist yet. And I'm mm-hmm. going to punish them anyway because I, uh, because you hate me. Right. Um, the, that's actually this hugely is, problematic. I'm, I, this is another portion where I'm going to kind of jump back into that statement will make a lot more sense when you look at it based off of kind of the cultural norms within other nations at the time, uh, because there was just time. common behavior for gods to operate like that, as and well I, as you could help enforce this nationalistic idea of when we worship, if we don't worship the nation's God, right? We're going to worship this God, because he's the God of this nation. You got to think about how deeply ingrained religion is to that kind of thought process. And so what happens is, is if people turn, this is another big, huge thing to control, right? If people um, in a city all worship the same God, but people start turning away, um, there's dissension and there's discourse and so, you know, eventually there might be rebellion rise up. I think that this, the, these passages, like I said, if you really, like, unless you sit down and you speak with, um, I would really say find somebody who's a, a very passionate Jewish person um, and they can talk to you about what the stories mean to them. Because what they get out of it is very different. Have you ever talked to like a Hasidic Jew or or a Reformed Jew? Uh, when you start listening to, to Jewish thought, especially on the scriptures, uh, there's some really profound things. And um, but that, of course, you find is because they think that um, there might have been some stuff going on in there that God didn't actually do or say. Right. Um, you know, um, I mean, if if this God is truly, you know, who he says he is, the the almighty, you know, uh, most powerful creator of, of mm-hmm. you know, the very existence of the universe, um, it shouldn't be that hard to just demonstrate who you are. Right. Um, and these these kind of societal um, groups or the framework that we're having to to place this in to context to make it make sense shouldn't even be a reality in the first place. Um, Right. uh, It it doesn't even make any sense. That God shouldn't just, he shouldn't lower himself to that little power (coughs) to compete with all these lesser supposed gods, right? Yeah. I mean, you, (laughs) these are like, we're having a conversation about something that it's like the way you see this and the way I see it are so apple and orange. I agree with everything you say. The The only things that I can say that give it any credence and value, which I think it give it far more value than the value of just accepting the literal right. um, depth of it, and, th- and this is what I think the core idea and the core moral of the story of, of Exodus is, is that 
God gives you what you ask for, and sometimes the things you ask for are ter- like terribly wrong for you. Um, the fact that Israel, because the, but, the original thing was that Israel was to be a priesthood to all other nations. They were to stand as a priest, redeeming and making peace and making right, righteousness and making justice happen throughout the whole world. That's the, that's the goal. But then they say, Moses, we don't want to do... Because what they were doing prior was a dispute would come up, Moses would go pray about it, and they would have this big, long process to find out what God says. And then they said, well, go get us some laws, and the laws will be easier for us. Um, <clears throat> they didn't want to go about uh, working shit out in a way that, um, you know, involves people to, you know, be face to face and deal with each other and deal with life and deal with problems and, uh, use, you know, wisdom and reason, um, for that. And the other thing is, is on reason and we should probably cut it at this, but, (laughs) um, I agree with right. you. Reason is is extremely valuable and and absolutely necessary. But my um, concern would that it not just be reason alone, because well, um, I wouldn't make that argument. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that has to be, you know, incorporated along with some of the other you know basic things that we we possess, like compassion and empathy. Um, I mean, if your actual goal is, you know, to make things better, um, you can't just use maybe, uh, like the most pragmatic way to succeed a certain set of values. You, you have to, you have to look at, you know, in context, you know, what is reasonable based on, um, your end goal, which is motivated by compassion and uh is understood by way of empathy um mm-hmm. i mean each of these has their own components reason is just simply one of the the com- the tool that you use uh to critically analyze things and evaluate you know what is valid and what is not based on you know those motivators the the motivator of compassion and wanting you know the embitterment of people and to me I mean, it seems rather cruel, you know, to have the mindset of, well, you asked for this, so you're going to get it and your kids are going to get it and Mm -hmm. their kids are going to get it. Wouldn't it be more compassionate to, instead of just let people have whatever they want and let them suffer those consequences and let their children and their children's children suffer those consequences? And then, you know, vice, uh, alternatively, you know, uh, you would give a thousand generations, um, you know, uh, your love for, you know, their keeping your yeah. commandments, wouldn't it be more compassionate just to simply, um, you know, teach people directly what, you know, what is, what is, uh, you know, prevent them from the harm instead of just let them have it. Uh, I mean that any boss that did that to his employees would be a pretty cruel boss. I, I value yeah, a boss was... who tries to teach me, not someone who just lets me figure it out and suffer the consequences. The, yeah, and most uh, most evangelicals will argue 
that's what's happening that that God is not punishing them um uh uh in a in a physical way he's punishing them in a um consequential way that that it's not that he's necessarily physically or supernaturally carrying out the act that it's it's something that's been designed in to uh the laws of physics and the structures of uh reality the, like they're not going to argue with you on the fact that it says that he's cursing them they're going to make <laughs> up they're going to make up some bullshit that's right. the only thing because that's the only thing you can do with that i mean the to make it not sound bad <laughs> the the compassionate way to phrase that wouldn't be that either you know you follow me or else i will punish your children's children's children um, yeah. The compassionate way to put that is, I'm warning you, these are the consequences that are naturally going to happen if you do X, Y, and Z. Here's an alternative, and you know, uh, if, you, if you don't live up to that, this is what will happen. But if you decide otherwise, you know, or your children <laughs> decide otherwise, I'm here. Um, but that's just not the way that this is phrased. It's phrased in a very... Um, it, it's it's phrased in a very carrot and stick, you know, I'm going to make you do this and you don't really have a choice because I'm going to punish yeah. you or reward you. And that's, you got to think, dude, that's the biggest thing. Um, I wish I had more I could tell you about that particular issue of translation. Um, right. People want to tell you, people will tell you that the English translation of the Bible is God's perfect word. The English translation of the Old Testament literally makes almost no sense. Right. Like, I mean, it, it, you, it's already... you're missing tons of stuff. Right. Tons. You're missing, uh, there are tons of words in Hebrew that we do not know what they mean. They're in the Bible and they're only used in one or two places, and they have no other way to reference those words to understand what they mean. In the like, context they're being used. It, why couldn't God just like, you know, come back and give us a revised modern version, right? Well, <laughs> a lot we of people understand. claim, a lot of people claim that he has, um, it, with, with many different people, um, uh, prophets Joseph and, Smith and, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of them. Yeah. And, and that's another, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but it's, it, like I said, I, to me, the Bible has so much more depth, so much more meaning, so much more flavor. If you take it as a story, as you, if you take it as maybe some of it's true, maybe some of it's not, but what are they trying to say? What are they really trying to communicate under all of it? Because some of it does clearly just look like we want, you know, God wants to enslave you. Uh, but other parts are um, very opposite of that. And there has to be some reasoning put forth to say, okay, well, this doesn't add up. So what are, how are we going to respond to it? Because for so long, people have just said it doesn't add up. Uh, but you're wrong, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, uh, I, I feel like, you know, um, abusive partners 
oh, yeah. uh, will present themselves as, I mean, they, they will be controlling, but then they'll also present themselves as, you know, trying to do what's best for, you know, the, the person that they're in a relationship with. Uh, meanwhile, they're doing horrible, you know, abusive, violent things. Um, and I mean, there is no shortage of examples of, you know, God killing, um, innocent people. And I don't know how you argue that children aren't innocent. Um, I mean, that, that is not a perfect solution from a supposedly perfect God. Um, right. That to me, it sounds like a bunch of people imagined a God based on their own rather abusive mindset. And that's what they projected onto that God, and that's how they narrated the story of his existence. Um, to me, that makes a lot more sense, especially as allegory. You know, they, they're, yes. they're making uh, a narrative, basically, uh, to try to teach people wisdom, but they're doing it from the perspective of somebody who has really toxic ideas that are antiquated mm. and um, not, not actually very wise. So, yes. you know, from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense for me. Um, but from the perspective of, of um, you know, the opposite, like you were talking about, people who are biblical literalists, um, it just, it, there's so many points where it, it just misses. And I just can't understand how it's even valuable or useful, aside from, you know, this is maybe some things you should avoid or, you know, not do. Right. No, I that you put it very well there. Um a lot of that lines up with the you you kind of did a great job of uh explaining a lot of my biblical views right there with that. Um there's a there's a writer named Greg Boyd and he wrote a book called Crucifixion of the Warrior God and he he lays out something called the cruciform hermeneutic. And it is a hermeneutic is a structure in which, you know, you, this is how we interpret the Bible. We mm-hmm. use this framework to interpret right. what the entirety of the Bible means. And his interpretation is, is, um, the old Testament. If Jesus is the clearest representation of God, if Jesus is the clearest representation of God, then Everything else in the Bible that doesn't line up with his character um, has to either be a projection or, uh, you know, something that has been kind of lost in communicate translation there, you know. Right. Uh, the, uh, the, I think the thing I have uh, a problem with with a lot of hermeneutics is that it, it makes some really big assumptions. Um, it's, it's not really very... Um, critical and i don't see it as being very objective yeah. well um, you have to you have that's the problem with with a lot of yeah with hermeneutics in general because right, right. uh many many bible schools are going to teach you um well and and to be clear though many bible schools do teach um hermeneutics that do involve um, critical thinking and, and, you know, they, and they have to, you know, stand by the fact of, um, we don't know if this is true. Um, we can intuitively, uh, feel expressed toward it or leaning toward it, but you know, that's a matter of faith. Fundamentally though, it still makes the assumption that 
one, there is a God, and two, that God is good. Um, mm-hmm. And you can do that. You can take that same perspective uh, and apply that to any religion and reject the parts you don't like and accept the parts you do, but all you're really doing with that is applying some sort of um, value system filter to a religious context. Uh, and that's just kind of a way, f- at least kind of from my perspective of cherry picking the parts that you like um, and trying to explain away the parts that you don't. Um, for me, what's what's really more important than the religious ideology itself um, or that, that particular structure is uh, the method by which you're evaluating, you know, uh, what is good and what isn't. Uh, that's to me kind of the meat and bones of of ethics and the part that we should be focusing on um because i mean if somebody holds very humanistic values and they apply that to any religion and they use that to pull mm-hmm. out good good bits of wisdom out of the bible or the quran or whatever right. um that's fine i mean that person's going to basically try to be a good person um, you know, if, if their motivation is not humanistic and, you know, they're, they're really more bent on a different standard of, of what they view as right and wrong as such as like an authoritarian mindset, um, they're going to pull out, you know, bad things. Um, to me, it's not the religion itself. It's, it's the moral system that people are using to evaluate religions. That's really what's important to me because totally. uh, I see that as being the influence. Yeah, and that's uh, the I, and this is this would be my argument. Uh, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head with with that, and the Ten Commandments doesn't really stand up well to that, right? Um, and it can't unless, like, for instance, um, you know, Jewish thought on this subject has a lot more to the conversation about the depth and the meanings and the morals and, and And what's actually, yeah. And what's actually happening in the text that is a cultural, they have a cultural construct built into it, which is their language and their heritage and their history and their customs. They have a whole construct to help them work that out in a, in an appropriate way. Um, I guess I'm kind of viewing it from, you know, the perspective of, but what part of it is really more practical for my uses? You know, what, what's going to help me right now make the world a better place? And I'm, yeah, I don't know if you becoming a Christian right now would, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) or at least adopting, you know, um, a, a Christian framework of morality. I I just don't see that as as accomplishing that goal. Um, it it wasn't very hard. I didn't have to look very far. Um, in you know atheistic quote mm-hmm. religions such as the Satanic Temple, because it's it it's not a theistic religion <laughs> at all. Yeah. It's it's barely a religion. It, it's more of a troll religion than anything. Um, I mean, right. there's some rituals, but they're it it it's kind of more just a matter of uh you know trolling bad people <laughs> right and and you know being the the you know the the devil's advocate if you will uh for oh, the yeah, argument yeah, yeah. um I'm and totally for it 
I, but their value system is very humanistic and very practical and applicable to, you know, pretty much anybody. So that to me, I find a lot more um, utility out of that than I am out of the Bible, which is a lot more, um, it's not even that it involves more nuance. It's that it, it's, there's just so much there that it's, it can be interpreted so many different ways based Mm. on your pre-existing, you know, moral structure. Uh, And so I don't see it as really being a source of morality, but maybe something that you could apply morality to. And to me, that's just not that useful. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. It, and that's a good, that's a great, that's a great thought. Uh, that, and the interesting thing is, is I really, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, uh, I don't think that um, the Old Testament really has much. um, I think the Old Testament is a terrible way to try to develop morality. Um, And and the New Testament has to be um, very much put in its historical place us to understand um how to develop morality out of it Um, and i even have a lot of problems with the new testament as well yeah i mean and and rightly so there are many problems with it um and there are similar problems that i think we have in the old testament i just think that it's uh, a slow progression um that i think was pointed in the right direction and i think uh, got uh, turned around back in uh, around 300 AD with uh, Emperor Constantine. I think I think Christianity mm-hmm. was very much on the right track um, to being something that could not necessarily be just a religious movement, but a movement to just um, help unify the Abrahamic religions and. Yeah. Um, just love and approve the rest of the world. And, yeah. uh, and that, but, that's not even exclusive to Christianity. I mean, Islam had a period where um, it was very inclusive and diverse, and um, you know, a lot of mathematics were developed, and uh, a lot of smart people came out of a very intelligent society, and then they became radicalized and regressed for a long time until mm-hmm. what they are today. Um, I mean, it, it's very possible for a religion to rise to, you know, uh, greatness and then fall from it. Yeah, and I would argue, I would argue that the thing that you're you're speaking of is um, more or less, you know, the mystic traditions of the religions, right? Uh, the ones, the places where we see um, lots of progress done is where there's been a little bit more um, uh, of a mystic movement involved. And uh, I would argue that um, a lot of modern science is built off um, the kind of occult um, religious groups within the mainstream groups. Um, They, you know, through really esotericism, you know, I, I can't ever say that word, right? 
I'm a <laughs> trailer trash buffoon, but esoterism, 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 <laughs> esoterism, um, is really what developed that. I think there were groups of people that wanted to think outside the box and they were terrified to do it publicly and they slowly maneuvered their ways around through you know you know church states and uh monarchies and did some really cool stuff and did some really bad stuff and uh that and that's where I'm I'm at right now I'm just studying esoteric um culture and history and uh you you find some really interesting things about maybe who the who the the real Christians were and uh yeah they, they look a lot different than <laughs> the, maybe they look a lot different than what we see right now in America but I don't uh, even really care who the real Christians were I just care about who the humanists were well and I that's what I would argue is that um many of the esoteric groups were people who were uh you know um they were the cosmopolitan and and the uh the peaceful and artistic crowds and uh they just wanted to you know they were the the hippie movements of all the different religions and wanted <laughs> love and peace and joy and you know let's I would say that there's a lot to that and definitely can't go through all of it, but, um, yeah, man, you've done a great, you, you gave me a, uh, a good, uh, spank in there (laughs) from the, uh, try for me to try to defend the, the old Testament. Cause it's, um, I mean, I can give you maybe, I can give you maybe some ways to look at it that, if you were in a, as a if you were a Christian and you right. were struggling with this, I could have given you some things, and I think I did that would have maybe set your mind at ease a little bit, right? But they wouldn't have done uh, they they'd still bother you unless right. you just go out and flat out say, uh, maybe Moses was wrong, <laughs> maybe Moses made some shit up, yeah." And, uh, that's kind of where I'm on the fence of as, yeah. uh, I, why the, why for a lot of, uh, what's in the Bible is a big deal to me because I mean, you have to think, not only are you thinking about the context of the story when it was told in its original form, but you're thinking about the context of that story each time it's been scribed and retranslated. And that's a lot of different contexts. So yeah. it's uh it's a strange Dang. it's a strange any ancient text is like that too. It's they're strange animals and especially ones where there's a lot of religious um and uh power there's a lot of religious power and there's a lot of economic power surrounding them. Uh yeah, you're gonna have a lot of crazy um it's like reading code. I really think it is like uh almost like reading a co- you know an esoteric um text because it it just you have to know 
a ridiculous amount of stuff about it to get really anything out of it. Uh, and that's the scary thing is that we got all these people running around throwing the Bible around and they know absolutely nothing about it. Right. And, I, I uh, mean, I, I think it's, I, I think it's kind of our responsibility as reasonable people to just challenge things. Um, don't take things at face value. That's, that's why we're talking. That's, yeah. we analyze things. Um, I, I think that that's, at least to me, I feel a sense of obligation to do that with everything that I believe. Mm. So of course it's really easy to do that with, you know, things that other people believe too. Um, mm. But for myself, I feel like I'm doing myself and everybody else a disservice around me. If I'm not challenging everything yeah. that, you know, I accept to be true. Uh, and I think that just spreading that mentality um, would be really useful uh, where people maybe wouldn't be so uh, zealous, uh, you know, in their uninformed beliefs. I hate to say, I mean, that, that kind of sounds condescending, but um, they are. A lot of people are very, uh, very confident in things that they're just not that familiar with and they maybe haven't even challenged for themselves. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> for sure, man. Well, dude, that was yeah, a great yeah. conversation. You've long you've been, you've given me plenty to think about. Yeah, you might want to break this up a little bit, or that's ah, good. <laughs> we're, we're fine. People will hang with us. If if they don't, they're not cut out for the deep analysis of. Oh man, analyzed the podcast. I don't know if deep analysis is what I just did, but. <laughs> There, uh, there needs to be not. some maybe deep not. analysis done upon me. That's the only thing I know. But all right, man. Well, I'm gonna get hop off here. But uh, good deal, fun episode. Hey, everybody, yep. send us an email. Tell us what you think. Sign up to be a guest. Uh, join our Patreon. Analyzepodcast um, dot com. Did we get any questions yet? Uh, uh not that i'm aware of uh i haven't seen any emails come in so right uh, uh apparently we've answered all of any potential questions um right. preemptively so good deal. we're doing a good job apparently right well hopefully there'll be some hate mail on this that one. or nobody's listening there's that's another that might be uh, that potential too. yeah anyway well all right man take care peace out everybody yeah see you next time <laughs>